Hello everyone and welcome to the latest episode of the R&D department with Dan and Julia. We did record a show for Labor Day week even though Julia's husband just came back from his rotation out in South Korea and it being a holiday weekend. Uh, talk about a few things. Uh, you get to learn about how Julia almost died when she was living in Hawaii. Um, I knew some of the story. I don't know how exactly we got to starting off talking about that, but it's an interesting story and a good caution for people who want to go to tropical and Pacific locations and just kind of on a whim do some kayaking or canoeing or outrigging. Uh, then we get into a little more talk about Hillary Clinton's emails because no one else is shutting up about it. Why should we? And we kind of round out uh, talking a little bit about, I don't know how we continually return to it, but uh, a little bit of talk about ISIS and ISIL. Once again, please check out the website www.brentlawgroup.com for all of your uh, Michigan-based and certain federal issue needs. Our office phone number is area code 248 291-7253 call for a free phone consultation our hours are 9 to 5 Eastern Standard Time we are a Detroit law firm uh, look up Julia on the Hawaii bar for all of your veterans affairs needs and other than that just sit back enjoy the show and I hope you all had a happy Labor Day You know, you were describing why I don't outdoor run. Um, I'm very happy that the YMCA has an indoor track because it always seems too hot or too cold. I, there's rarely a Goldilocks day where I feel like I could run in Michigan. I think that um, pavement and terrain, though, make you a better runner overall. Uh-huh. And I, I learned to run you know, starting with intervals when I was in Hawaii, I never ran before that. And then, you know, epic shit storm of knee surgery and then a year of pain meds and then a foot surgery. Um, I am, um, <laughs> nowhere near, uh, I mean, an 11 minute pace, is getting my heart rate up to like 168 right now, which is way too high. I I feel your pain on that. That's you know, not to degrade you. That's that's not even a run. That's more of a brisk jog. Yeah, don't be an ass. It, that's that's my cruising speed too. I'm carrying a lot of extra weight right now. You and me both, sister. Hey, if it's a 10 minute mile, that's a run. I don't care what anybody oh. says. All right. What's a run then? Seven, eight? I mean, a run, I think by definition, is at least 15 miles an hour. Wait. Which would be like four or five minute miles. No. They don't even I... require that for the run for PT in the Army. 
don't know. I'm just I'm just going off of like National Geographic definition of what the human species running is. That's all. Whatever. So fine. I'm jogging, but I'm doing intervals. Uh, I found a really decent interval trainer mm-hmm. app that um, you know, so it's a gradual uh, increase in the intervals of uh, jogging mm-hmm. versus walking. Considering you moved to Hawaii in what up twenty eleven? Uh no. Twenty thirteen. Oh, okay. I don't know if you would recognize how fat I've gotten. <laughs> I've gotten pretty fat myself. So We can be fat together in the Midwest. I don't really want to be fat anymore. None of my damn clothes fit. Tell me about it. So and I'm not buying new clothes. I mean, I put on about 30 pounds with the, you know, with the knee accident and then the pain meds and the subsequent depression of nobody knowing what the hell was wrong and why my calf kept swelling and I wasn't getting better. And and then not being able to, you know, after the foot surgery, I couldn't have, you know, I was on a scooter for a month and a half. I couldn't put any weight on it. It was just, uh, it was a nightmare. So it feels good to be doing something again. So I started mm-hmm. the intervals um, this week. So I've done, I think I took two days off. Mm-hmm. So five out of seven days. That's That's my goal. Because one, I acknowledge that Sunday I kind of want to sleep in and crap. And Friday, I just want to get home and have a cocktail and relax. So we do walk the dog every day, though. That helps. Yeah, the problem, though, with my foot is that, you know, it's the endurance of that Mm -hmm. foot is not great at the moment. So it's usually pretty wrecked. Uh, There's ice on it right now. I'm about Mm -hmm. to go back in the bedroom and put it up for a little bit. my foot is not in a position to go walk the dog like later on after mm-hmm. I've Oh, and you can't catch any more Pokemon either. Done this. Well, we did go to Riverwalk last night, but um yeah, it was pretty rough and I'm I'm dealing with a a nasty um blister on my pinky toe of my right mm-hmm. foot cuz in the process of my foot spreading out because the tendon was just getting dismantled, uh, my bunion got worse. So now when I run, uh, my pinky toe is rubbing against the shoe. And so, and my mom's like, what are you going to do? Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, I'm not having another surgery on this right now. In fact, what I should have done is told him to fix the damn bunion while he was doing everything else. But uh, I'm not having another foot surgery because I, if you recall, I started first year mm-hmm. post bunion surgery. That was not fun um, on my left foot. So um, I'm so this will. I've had one, two, three, three foot surgeries now. I'm not signing up for another one anytime soon. They're the you worst. The Grant Hill of attorneys. Oh, my God. You don't even want to know how many surgeries I've had. It's ridiculous. Yeah. I had my gallbladder removed. 
I had a surgery I, on my sinuses, tonsils and adenoids. Those are pretty, that's pretty normal. But my gallbladder, I was in my early 20s, which is not normal. Um, I had bilateral carpal tunnel release because um, I was starting to lose muscle mass in my, um, like in my thumbs because mm. it, it I, don't, I don't know if that came from being a lawyer playing too many video games or just bad luck. So bilateral carpal tunnel release, three foot surgeries, and a knee surgery. They tried to get me to have a back surgery, and I told them to kiss my ass. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you need? What did they say you needed back surgery for? Oh, I've got uh, <laughs> fusing. They're going to fuse on their own. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. So two of my lower vertebrae are already fused. The discs are dead and the bones are fused together. But that'll happen on its own. But it's it's like so. what they wanted to do was, was take out the discs that were dying and mm-hmm. fuse those. Um, they're bulging at the moment. But, I mean, to be dead honest with you, um, if I'm not carrying the extra weight and if I'm running mm-hmm. and I'm in better shape, my back doesn't really hurt that much. Mm-hmm. So I don't feel like I really need to uh, be letting somebody screw around with my spine. Yeah, that that was one of the first second opinions I ever got because I had a recommendation for um arthroscopic ACL surgery in both knees and uh, with a knee replacement by the age of 30. Haven't gotten that yet, by the way. No, and because enough, and, you, and then I went to you're an signing actual, up for two then because that's not going to last that long and you're going to need another one. And I went to another doctor that said, yeah, pretty much uh, stop lifting weights with stop the squats and the leg presses and switch to the elliptical and cycling and you'll be fine. I'm like, oh, okay. And he said, and lose a few more pounds. Yeah. Yeah. Um that sounds a lot better than cuz god. No, 30 is way too young for a knee a knee replacement unless unless it's absolutely necessary. It's way too young because well, they don't last funny. that long. <laughs> well, and it, especially if I would have gotten it you know, what would have been five years ago now. Um, they're way better now. But I was I was listening to Penn Gillette talk. He's lost a crap ton of weight, by the way. And he... Basically, something I'm coming to understand is that the American medical system recommends surgery and pills over lifestyle alteration. He had, like... 250 systolic resting blood pressure or something like that. Holy shit. You know, he, you know, he's a big dude. He's six, seven, and he was close to 400 pounds before he dropped a whole bunch of weight. Oh my God. But he looked the doctor in the eye and he said, do I need this or could I, could I lose some weight? And the doctor said, well, it's this or lose a hundred pounds. He said, well, how about I try losing a hundred pounds? Yeah, I mean, I really wish that, okay, the bunions I probably could have avoided Mm -hmm. if I were willing to constantly wear shoes. 
with excellent support. Oh, um, and for, never wear flip going around like a hillbilly. No, never wear flip flops. Mm-hmm. And always wear shoes and not walk around the house barefoot. I could avoid the bunions, but that I mean that's just utterly unrealistic and never going to happen. So, so that okay. But everything else. Oh, I also had a bone tumor in my left arm, which was benign, thankfully. But it was uh, pushing on the nerves. Um, it was growing, mm-hmm. and it was pushing on the nerves. And my uh, my hand was going all my like arm was going numb and tingly and stuff. Mm-hmm. So they took that out. Um, nothing I've had done is really anything that could have been mm-hmm. avoided, unfortunately. Yeah. I mean, I was born with extra bones in my feet, and the extra bone. Um, that won't exactly get you on the Ringling Brothers circuit, though. No, but you know how you have, you know what the navicular is, right? It's that big, big lumpy bone that's like on the inside of your ankle. I'm just going to say yes, because my wife isn't at home to give me a physiology lesson. Okay, it's kind of hard to miss. If you look at the inside of your ankle, there's uh-huh. there's a big bone there. You can okay. feel it. It's called a navicular. I have a second one underneath that, just mm-hmm. underneath that. It's called an accessory navicular. It's mm-hmm. not supposed to be there. Mm-hmm. And the problem is, is the the posterior posterior tibial tendon controls your arch. I mean, mm-hmm. it is your arch. Period. So that is supposed to connect to the navicular. That also connects up to the back of your calf to a posterior tibial muscle in the back of your calf. So the reason my calf kept swelling is because that tendon was being stretched out so badly because it wasn't connected. It was connected to both bones. Mm -hmm. And so over time, because of the extra bone issue. Um, it damages that tendon. And so that tendon was inflamed, which caused the muscle to be inflamed, which is why my calf kept swelling because mm-hmm. they just couldn't figure out, like I would go, you know, walk for 30, 40 minutes, you know, just walking. And my right calf would be, you know, three, four centimeters bigger than my left. Oof. I mean, it was, Oh yeah. It was, and it was painful. Like, it was really rough. And so they couldn't figure it out, you know, so they shoved me in a pain clinic because that's what they like to do mm-hmm. when they can't figure it out. Went to an ortho one day, and I just go, hey, so I just noticed that my ankle started rolling in. And they were like, oh, well, let me send you to this foot doctor. And the foot doctor mm-hmm. was like, oh, well, yeah, you, you're yeah, we need to take the bone out and reconstruct her foot. That's what's wrong. They kept looking at my knee because I had just had lava rock get punched into my knee and, you know, mm-hmm. had bone bruising and all the... Oh, oh yeah, was, with that, with the rock, did you fall while running or something like no, that? Oh, you don't know that story? I don't like no, to I don't. tell it because I actually still have a slight PTSD reaction to what happened. Um, so there's this little island off of Oahu, which I understand is also an island. Um, (laughs) but there are these little, two little islands called the Mokes that Mm -hmm. are off of 
Oahu. Mm-hmm. And you can kayak, mm-hmm. which, by the way, open ocean kayak, I don't suggest. It's actually quite terrifying. I don't even like kayaking, uh, like, so I'm good. Open ocean kayaking is kind of terrifying. Because you're mm-hmm. acutely aware that, like, if you get pulled the wrong way or, like, off track, you're, like, you're just you're just so screwed. So it was Good Friday, and, and all these people from my husband's unit were, like, oh, we're going to get kayaks, we're going to go to the Mokes, and we're going to go hiking. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, the Mokes are basically, the islands are all just lava rock. Like, the entire thing yeah. is lava rock. And They're you can form islands. Right. So you can, like, hike along the outside of the Mokes. So there's only one little area of beach, which is where you beach the kayaks. And then you can hike along, um, you know, this, this, this lava rock to get to this other side where there's like this awesome pool that I never got to see because I didn't make it there. Uh, I, had some reservations because I already don't like lava rock. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it scares me because I like realize, you know, if you make one wrong move, you're screwed and you're going to, you could die. Um, but I didn't want to be the one person who was like, Oh, I'm not going to do it. Yada, yada. So I went anyway. And so we get to this one part and uh, we look down and it is uh, probably the size of like one of those outdoor um, above ground swimming pools, and it is um, a bowl of white because mm-hmm. the waves are coming in from all different directions, and it's got this mm-hmm. small little mouth like that goes mm-hmm. back out into the ocean. And my friend looks down in it and goes. Um, what, what do you do if you fall in there? And I turned around and looked at him and I go, well, you can pray to God because you're going to die. And then five Mm -hmm. seconds later, (laughs) a wave came out that was huge, like bigger than what the waves were in that, you know, in that little bowl as we're trying to traverse Mm -hmm. around it. Um, came above my head and just pulled me right in off the rocks. Yeah. And uh, and you can't climb back on rocks in whitewater, by the way. that That's not a thing that you can do. And people were telling me to swim out, which is what you do, because you can't climb back on rocks. Like, you, it's the ocean is way too powerful. The minute you get a grip, you're pulled back, and then you're smashed into it again. So what you need to do is swim past the surf. The problem is, mm-hmm. is that I was like at the back of the bowl and it was all white surf and there was, and I had a backpack on, which I couldn't take it off because when I tried to take it off, I started sinking. So the only thing I really could do was just keep my head above water. So my husband mm-hmm. falls in trying to get me out and, uh, was trying to help me climb up and I got smashed into the, cause you, you try to climb out. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's like, you know what you do, but it was mm-hmm. the first time ever acutely in my life where I was like, I, I'm going to die. Like, I'm not going to survive this. Like I'm literally, mm-hmm. I'm going to die. And, 
so in the process of getting smashed against the rocks, the rock went into, um, like went all the way into my joint and, um, which also made climbing out (laughs) acutely impossible. Um, very, very thankfully and luckily ocean rescue, because this is not uncommon. Hawaii can be very Mm -hmm. dangerous. Uh, was coming around, and this dude was gutsy enough to go into this, like, I mean, completely white water with a sea mm-hmm. And But he was, like, near the mouth, and he was like, if you can't swim to this, you're going to die. I can't go in any further. You need to swim mm-hmm. to this now. And so we, you know, swam to it. I don't know how. And there you go. That's what happened. Well, that sucks. I don't usually tell that story because that that was... um, Yeah, I didn't know the full details of the story. I don't share them frequently because it was pretty f***ing traumatic. (laughs) This is a safe space, Julia. Well, I... That kind of blows the hell out of my fell out of a canoe and bashed my head on a rock story. (laughs) Um, You know, there's there's like things that like happen in your life and you're like, whoa, I could have died. Mm -hmm. Like, but there... It's not, this was something so very different. Mm-hmm. I, like, I, I don't know how to describe it. It was, um, it was, it was just so, it was so bad. And then, so I had this big gaping hole in my knee and like, it'd still be funny, right? So takes us on the sea to the little beach part in Cologne. Mm-hmm. One of our friends, Cologne, is a medic. And so he was like, uh, somebody had a first aid kit, you know, and like somebody gave him a bottle of water. And so like he, you know, poured water on it, you know, whatever. And it was just this white flat looking, it was just this, looked like this white thing coming out of my knee. And I was freaking out and I was like, oh my God, it's bone. Oh my God, it's bone. Oh my God, it's bone. And Cologne's like, no, 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 no. Julia, it's not bone. That's fat. It's okay. It's just really deep. That's why it's white. It's fat. And I was like, you're not f***ing helping. (laughs) I got to say, all those guys, they were so, so great. Because John got got banged up a lot, too. Not not anywhere near as severe, but Mm -hmm. um, it's when the community of a a unit and the army is, is... really awesome because so then the guy took me uh, back to, you know, Oahu shore, got Mm -hmm. an ambulance, took John and I to um, the hospital. And like, while I'm on the sea do, I'm like bleeding profusely Mm -hmm. into the water. And Mm -hmm. the Mokes is an area that's full of tiger sharks. Cool. And so like, I'm just thinking, I'm like, Oh, that's great. So now I'm probably going to get like, bitten by a shark because I'm just like bleeding all over the place and so go to the hospital you know they do an MRI and they're like this is all the way into the joint space that means ocean water got in there you know we have to uh, and your MCL is damaged so we need to do surgery and they had already given me Percocet at that point and I was like no no (laughs) you just give me stitches right come on They're like, no, no, seriously, like, you need to go to the OR, like, right now. You're going in the next 20 minutes Um, before you get a systemic infection, right, Uh, from from that. 
And so everybody in the unit that had been with us, you know, showed up at the hospital and, uh, you know, the highest ranking enlisted who was there. Um, she's great. And she was just like, what do you want us to do? And I was like, well, I really want you to take care of my husband who they also gave Percocet to. Uh, <laughs> I, I need you guys to please like go get the kayak back and get our car. Somebody needs to drive John, um, drive, drive John's car back to our house um, so that we can give the key to the neighbor to take care of the cat and, you know, uh, take care of all this stuff and make sure he's okay. Cause he was like, you know, completely, this was a bad experience. So I'm like, I just want you to make sure he's okay because I'm going to be asleep. I'm not going to know what the hell is going to go on in the next 20 minutes. I'm going to be out. And they said the surgery would be like two and a half, three hours. So it's like, if you guys can like, you know, do that and he can get me clean clothes and stuff and then bring him back here, that that's what I want you to do. And they're like, you sure you don't want anybody to stay? And I was like, no, I'm going to be asleep. I'm going to, you know, they have John's phone number. So it's fine. Well, <clears throat> so his captain, his uh, command uh, of the unit found out about, you know, what happened, obviously, because even though I'm not military, like, you know, John is, and mm -hmm. they were all there and flipped shit that nobody stayed at the hospital with me. And they're not taking care of our spouses. And this is our family and blah, 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 blah. And so like the highest enlisted who is the one who said, what do you want us to do? And I told her what I wanted her to do uh, was like, this is what she wanted. Mm -hmm. I'm going to listen to her. She wanted us to make sure John was okay. She wanted John to get home so that the cat could be taken care of. He could get her clean clothes and come back here. She asked nobody to stay. What's the point? It's not like they can make any medical decisions. So mm -hmm. he sent some poor warrant officer who's like never even met me to go sit at the freaking ER while I was in surgery until John showed back up. Aww. Oh no, that was irritating. It was very paternalistic. And I was like, really? Come on. Julia, it's the United States military. <sighs> I'm not the United States military. They are. <laughs> But, you know, I mean, people were, were – this was and, – and, like, get this. This is the greatest part of it. This was literally two weeks before we were leaving Hawaii. Mm -hmm. So we had to pack and, like, PCS and fly and, like, do all of this shit. Like, while well, I had this, like, knee brace on that went from the bottom of my ankle to, like, mid-thigh, and it was metal. Mhm. Mm uh, it was fun. It was lots of fun. You, you did. You know, you have so many bad stories from Hawaii. <laughs> I know. I don't want to go back to Hawaii. I mean, I told them I was like, if they tell us we have to go get stationed again in Hawaii. Um, we're going to geo batch, and I'm going to Michigan. Mm -hmm. You can go hang out in Hawaii for. He doesn't want to go back either. It, you know, I have family there that I have literally never met. 
that I would love to meet someday. I have a definitive aversion to the ocean in any way, shape, or form right now. So I, I thought I was cool until, like, I thought I was good. I thought I, like, was dealing with it, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and then I went to see Jurassic World with my best friend when I was in Michigan. And there there's a scene in the movie where, you know, the pterodactyl picks up the assistant chick and, like, drops her in the Mosasaur tank and then, like, uh-huh. picks her back up again. And, like, drops her in it again. And so there's this, like, she's bobbing up and down and, like, gasping for air and stuff. Mm -hmm. And, like, I viscerally had a reaction to that. Mm. And, like, so when we left the movie, and, like, some of my best friends, also a psychologist, was like, oh, sweetie, honey, I think you need to see somebody. (laughs) Like, Like, I don't think you've processed what happened at all. (laughs) you're describing kind of the way my wife reacts to swimming in the ocean she loves swimming in a pool but when we were on our honeymoon in the caribbean like we didn't we did not swim (laughs) in the ocean we swam exclusively in lagoons and all she cared about was if i would get bit by a shark and i did not have enough time to explain why that wouldn't happen not the least of which being most of the sharks in the Caribbean are smaller than one of my legs. Yeah. But she she was adamant. She said, I don't want you to... Honey, the big sharks are in the cold water in the Pacific Ocean. Well... Hopefully she forgets that when we make our Hawaii vacation. Because uh, I also want to learn how to surf when I'm there. don't go to Maui. Because yeah. Oahu is not a big shark area. Maui does have sharks. Mm-hmm. Maui has sharks. Oahu does not really. I mean, there's like a group of tiger sharks, apparently, because mm-hmm. there's a lot of um, eel spearfishing that they do off of Moaks. Um, and there are tiger sharks in that area. But as a general rule, if you're on Oahu, you're, mm-hmm. you're not ever going to see a shark. It's just not, it's not going to happen. But I will also say that this rogue wave shit that comes up and pulls people off rocks into mm-hmm. the water this happens on a monthly basis mm-hmm. to people and not even people who are like, you know, not from the islands, So they don't mm-hmm. know better. Like sometimes you just don't, it just happens and it happens so fast. There's nothing you can do about it. Yeah. So, and that's I, never, a fun I just, thing. I want to try and get her on an outrigger at the very least. Um, I just want to make sure she's not crapping herself the whole time. I'm fine with the ocean. I prefer I prefer a pool because I actually like to swim. Like, I was a swimmer for, jeez, um, like 10 years. So mm-hmm. I, I do like to actually swim. And you can't really actually swim in the – well, I mean, you can, but you that's like you have to be like beast marathon person to be able to like, you know mm-hmm. – yeah. freestyle train in the ocean because it's 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 really hard um so but i i probably don't want to be anywhere near that for mm-hmm. some time i'm sure well i highly recommend there is a beautiful lagoon just outside of san juan in puerto rico it is beautiful blue calm and warm I'm not going to and, puerto rico right now and nothing lives in it i'm not going to puerto rico right now it's a mess you there. See, if your if your husband were in the marines you could be there <sighs> it's a there's mess no army there. Base there 
Eh, it's eh, it's worse than Detroit, to be honest. Um, because we went there in 2012, and their economy it, right now is is much yeah. worse than Detroit's. Yeah, because they don't have a lot of the benefits of being part of these United States. Find that to be such bullshit. Did you see Obama appointed a panel mm-hmm. to handle their stuff? Mm-hmm. Reminds me a lot of Rick Snyder's emergency manager bullshit. Well, um, because they're not a part of the United States, they're not allowed to take advantage of Title IX of the Bankruptcy Code. That's the big problem for them. Is yeah. They can't they can't declare um, government. Well, bankrupt. I know why, and they just and, and Congress needs to fix that. That's, I mean, that's my personal opinion. Congress needs to allow Puerto Rico to declare bankruptcy. I mean, I... I, I, But then, I mean, the Virgin Islands have a really rough economy. Guam has a really rough economy. D.C. has a really rough economy. Eh, Just saying. Well... The Virgin Islands, if they were part of the U.S., would have the highest crime in the country. But no, I highly recommend you make a visit to Puerto Rico. Maybe. Have a, they have a healthy respect for fried food and pork. Maybe. Oh, my foot is so sore. Good God in heaven. Oh, so, I know it sucks. It sucks. It only sucks for a little while. I know that. Yeah. It's it's going to be much easier in three weeks. It's just mm-hmm. doing the time until the three weeks. It's, I know. It's a bitch. But let's move on to lighter news because there's three lies I want to talk about this week. Okay. The first one, this one cropped up on my Facebook feed again. Um I do not give Facebook or any entities associated with Facebook permission to use my pictures, information, messages, or posts, both past and future. By this statement, I give notice to Facebook. It is strictly forbidden to disclose, copy, distribute, or take any action against me based on this profile and or contents. The content of this profile is private and confidential information. The violation of privacy can be punished by law, UCC Section 1, Subsection 308, subsection uh, 103 of 308, which doesn't exist, by the way, and the Rome Statute. Mm -hmm. So, my uncle posted this and then asked me if this is legit. (laughs) (coughs) And it's not, and Google could tell you it's not. And, Julia, you aren't even a business lawyer. What is the UCC? Uniform Commercial Code. And it's not law. (laughs) Well, it's regulation. It's it's it, it's a treatise on it, it's like the model penal code. It's not law. It's a suggestion on how states and the federal government can adopt uh laws governing commercial sales of goods. Yes. And that it again, even if it were law, all it governs is commercial sale of manufactured goods. All I know is I hated the UCC. I hated contracts. You didn't do well in contracts, did you? Um, I graduated sixth in our class, so I didn't not do well in any class. I mean, did wh- I think I got a three four in contracts? Okay. 
In contracts, I was the top of the class. Which was one of my you weren't lower grades. You weren't in contracts with me, though. I would beat your ass in constitutional law. Probably. I tied with Patrick. The problem with the way con law is taught is that that's also not the way con law works. Um, I really liked our con law teacher, though. He's not no, there anymore. It happens. No, I just... It's like, you know, law school is like anything else. You know, the, the physics lessons you get in college are not really how, the practical useful physics that are used by physicists. It just kind of gets you a decent floor. And, you know, the con law we learned in con law is to prepare us for the con law portions of the bar exam. Well, yeah, but I think it's important to understand the, you know, the buildup and the, and the, you know, The history. I think a lot of people had trouble with con law because a lot of the cases that you have to read in con law, are some of them are very, very old. Very, very old. And a lot of them aren't really good law anymore. You know, Roe v. Wade has been supplanted by much of what the... We, the, didn't, uh, do, we didn't do Roe v. Wade or Planned Parenthood versus Casey because hmm. um, we had a Mormon teacher. Hmm. Who also went on a... I do love him, by the way. I can't even think of his name right now. He was a great teacher. But he also started in on how being homosexual isn't an immutable characteristic. And I, you know, I, who was I sitting next to? I think I was sitting next to Kurt or something like that. And, like, immediately he just, like, put his hand on me. He's like, don't. Just don't. Don't. <laughs> don't start. Kurt is a good cooling force. Oh, everybody thought we were sleeping together, too. I thought that was so hilarious. Yeah. Just because we were friends. That is weird. Why can't a dude and a, and a chick be friends? Well, I know why I can't be friends with women. Why is that? Women hate me. Oh. Jim Jeffries has a good bit about that. I hate women and women hate me. We have this in common. No, but you know how you know how it is. I mean, in law school where we're all supposed mm-hmm. to be very professional, but it's still like a little, you know, sewing circle of gossipy bullshit. So See, I spent all but my last two semesters in the night classes, so it was a little different. Oh God, you didn't have the section one, section two fun that I did. Nope. Aww. But I did have disposable income during law school, which was nice. Uh, I mean, I had disposable income that I'm going to be paying back for the rest of my life. Oh, I didn't really save any money. It's just I didn't take loans out to keep gas in my truck. That I That's not that huge of a difference maker. I did, so that's yep. what I'm saying. It kind of came out to a wash. You know, even the Dean Scholarship didn't do a whole lot for me. Uh, I felt like I should have had a higher scholarship. I feel like I might have been better off if I would have just waited a few years to see if Stanford would take me off the wait list, and I could have gone for free. Well, I had, I think I had 85% of tuition, which was 
essentially all my tuition, which is great, Mm -hmm. except I still had to take out massive amounts of loans because I was Mm -hmm. going full time and I needed to live. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I mean, the scholarship's great, but tuition isn't really what costs money in law school. It's Mm -hmm. the loss of earning capacity that costs money in law school. (laughs) So. And I, that last year, I was so glad I was able to get done in three and a half years, thanks to one final full-time year and summer classes. That was nice. Oh, I packed the crap out of summer before I, I went to U of H. Because I had to get everything that was required for UDM done. So my, what was the, the, the business class thing that you had to take? The We had a requirement you had to get one, for... One requirement in some business law course. You could do like antitrust law or... No, no, there was a, a law firm project thing. Law firm... Like, oh, the, uh, you, the the LFP, the fake law firm you had to be Yes, in. yes. So I had to take a Canadian one. Oh, no. What? Canadian law is screwed up. Uh, it was very different. It was very different. But I had to take the Canadian one because it was the only one offered during the summer. And if I didn't take it, I couldn't graduate or, go, you know, I couldn't go to Hawaii and graduate. So I had to take the Canadian one. It was very interesting. So I started spelling defense, D-E-F-E-N-C-E. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm like... <laughs> that is something, funny. you know, it, let's just get into it because that's a good jumping off point. College costs too much money because you have to take too many useless classes. Um... I didn't find those all that unuseful. I found, anal- what was that, analytics, whatever thing we had? Well, they got rid of that one. Yeah, they don't, that was that's not on the curriculum useless. anymore. And tax used to be mandatory. That's not anymore. And I'm even a tax lawyer, and I think that that was useless. Uh, tax was one of the hardest classes I had. It's all statutory. It, it was so... That's the beauty of all federal law, except for, you know... First Amendment and things, First Amendment lawyers like at the ACLU, everything is laid out in a statute. I give Congress a lot of crap. The statutes are pretty well written in this country. Yeah, I didn't realize that tax was no longer required. I think tax was required mostly because they um, really wanted you to, um, they really wanted to be viewed as a business school, like a business law school. So I mm-hmm. think that's why tax was required. But I didn't understand that law firm practice class mm-hmm. when we already had to do a clinic. Well, that that didn't make any sense part to and me. Parcel from um, that's from the ABA of the mandate that basically law schools need to. It, it was a very vague handing down that law schools need to do more to prepare students for a law firm environment to prepare them for that. And honestly, that's just better relations with judges, prosecutors, and the attorneys in your field and your alums. Well, what I think they should do is probably just move the class years to two years and have mm-hmm. one year of residency like they you yeah. know, like they, they do with doctors. And I think that would probably better well, serve. 
and specifically like they do in most other common law countries. Yeah. Yeah, so because in, you have to do In the, England, Australia, New Zealand, for example. And Canada. You're, yeah, you're going to do two years of law school and then one year as an apprentice. Barrister. Actually, Canada, I think it's um, more than one year as an apprentice. And that that person whom you practice under has to give you a recommendation to the bar. I like that. Yeah, I think that sounds like a good idea. Unless, you, of course, you get a crappy person. But they also limit the amount of law students that mm -hmm. they have. Well, and that's the other thing. And I would really love to see the ABA. One, um, enrollment is at a 40-year low. And the number of law schools is still at a 30-year high. Can we please just get rid of Cooley? Cooley's not the worst one. I mean, the worst ones are these tiny for-profits in New York and California and in uh, and in UBE territories. You like can Arizona. have a you can have a three like a, uh, maybe even like a a, a two eight or a two nine mm -hmm. and get into Cooley. Mm -hmm. You have no business going to law school if that was your undergrad GPA. You can have that and get into U of D. No, you cannot. They lowered it at one point. I don't think they lowered it by that much, but they lowered it at one point, but then they put it right back up because our, our bar, our bar passage rates tanked mm -hmm. and they had like the dumbest class that they had gotten in a long time. And they were like, okay, that's not going to work. You don't remember well, I mean, that? I'll tell you, my undergraduate GPA was a 2.8, but I also was in the 90th percentile in the LSAT. That might have helped me with all my other parts. What's 90th percentile on the LSAT? Uh, I don't even remember what my score was. I just remember I was in the 90th percentile. You're lying. You remember what your score is. No, I don't. Liar. I don't remember what my SAT or ACT scores were either, but I was 95th. I didn't 99th. have to take those. Why not? I went to community college. Oh. Mm -hmm. Cool. Mm -hmm. My GPA from undergrad was four points. Cool. But it was also from Mary Grove. Actually, no, that's not true. As far as law schools were concerned, my GPA was 3.5. I kind of took my fourth year of college off. That's why I graduated it with a low GPA. Um, yeah, I. Uh, but my LSAT was only 155, which is crap. Right. And I should have retaken it. <clears throat> you had, a, I mean, the exam's given monthly. You could have done it whatever. Yeah, I know. I know. I mean, it was it was good enough to get me into a lot of schools, especially considering mm -hmm. my GPA. One fifty five is not a bad score, by the way. Okay. I'm not. But I, I'm not quibbling. We both passed the bar exam. That's the only thing that matters. Well, yeah, that's true. But one fifty five is not a bad score. I don't disagree. It, are you mad that I don't rem I don't know the time of day I was born either. This always becomes a sticking point with 11 my wife. 11.56. No. God, why do you... <laughs> No, no, no. I'm mad because I said 155 is in a bad score. And you said, okay. Because that I sounds don't... like you keep telling yourself that, Julia. Does it 
really matter what you got on the L set at this point. I'm so life. mad you, I didn't you, get into Michigan. Okay. I got waitlisted by both Michigan and Stanford. So I'm you sorry. got waitlisted by Michigan. Yep. What was your? Where did you go to undergrad? Uh, Marquette, out in Milwaukee. And I should have taken their offer. There was no money, but I wouldn't have had to take the bar exam, which I, I, in hindsight would have been a nice thing. I can't believe I didn't get waitlisted. You know, it was my LSAT score. That's what it was. My LSAT was not high enough for Michigan. And um, actually, I waited and actually threw halfway through what would have been my first semester had I gone right after undergrad. I got a letter from Florida State offering me a chance to go there on a scholarship. But I didn't because I didn't, just like you said, I didn't want to have to be somewhere and live off of loans. No, I got I got accepted at Wayne, mm-hmm. which is higher ranked than our school. Mm-hmm. And I probably should have. But I mean, I didn't end up going into an industry where my rank is going to matter, which is one of the reasons why even if Michigan had let me in, I mean, I would have gone into immense amounts of debt for what reason? Yeah. Well, I mean, it was Michigan twice the cost. Michigan, you could have. If you grad, if you would have graduated, not going to work law. in big law or go oh. clerk and work eighty million hours a week. I'm in my, I was in my thirties. Uh huh. You know. So there was no point. Yeah, that that was kind of my thing. Is if I would have gone to Marquette, I Marquette's law school, which I should have. I'm just mad because my dad. Maybe my wife never hear this because. Yeah, yeah. Neither one of my parents went to college, so it didn't really matter to me. I wanted to go to Michigan because that's where my dad went to law school. But that's fine. So, but you know what? I read about, I read enough stories about Michigan, like what law school is like there after, um, you know, being after getting into UDM, that mm-hmm. made me realize that that would absolutely be the worst place I could ever possibly have been. Like yeah, they the kind steal of your books, books, yeah, and sh- like and and I gotta say. The top ten of the full time sections. Mm-hmm. So you're talking about people like Ariana, uh, Patrick, um, mm-hmm. not Joyce, the other Patrick. I'm friends with him on Facebook. Mm-hmm. I forget his name. And uh, oh god, I can't remember anybody's name right now. Anyway, so those of us that were in the you know that had all the callbacks for the second year interviews. Mm-hmm and were ranked in the top 10. Mm-hmm. Nobody was a dick yeah. about anything. And like well, and everybody was super at night super with, all the, with all the empty nest housewives and the guys looking to get um, their law degree so they could move up in their companies. It, everyone was there just to get their degree for the most part. Well, yeah, but I mean, the experience of a full-time Michigan law student, I'm mm-hmm. sure, would have been very different than the experience I had at UDM, because mm-hmm. I mean, um, it cost less money. No, Michigan was more than UDM. Really? Yes, by a lot. Okay. Yes. I didn't know that. It, it was. It, it is. It, it was a lot more than UDM. Um. Look it up. You can hear the typing. I can. 
but I, I will say, I think, you know, I mean, we were competitive, like, you know, those of us in the full-time top 10 were competitive, Mm -hmm. but we were also friends and we weren't, you know, dicks to each other. Like, Mm -hmm. and I think that's kind of what the experience is like at Michigan. And that would have been, I wouldn't have enjoyed that at all. At all. Yeah, you're right. It is a bit more expensive. A bit. When I checked, when I first checked, it was, it was about 10 more, 10 grand more a year. Mm. And I wouldn't have gotten a scholarship to U of M. Yep. So I would have had to pay all of that. Yeah, I don't know, because you and I are in the same boat, because I knew pretty quick I was not on my way to working at the firm I was at at that time, and I sure as it, the other thing that was inconceivable for me at the time was because my parents were so financially dependent on me, was leaving the state to practice law, which is really what going to U of M gets you. Like, 10 U of M students a year take the Michigan bar exam. It's kind of sad. Uh, well, yeah, they're all doing their clerkships for Sotomayor and, yeah. you know, all the great judicial superstars on the circuit courts, which is a great job. Um, that's an awesome job, and that would be great, but that wasn't really my path in life. So that's cool. Surprisingly yeah. enough, though, I don't know if you know this, but U of H, uh, University of Hawaii's law school, is ranked really quite high, much higher than UDM. It's a second mm-hmm. tier. Well, it'd be, it's a state school. Are there any other law schools in Hawaii? Are there any other schools in Hawaii? Uh, no. There are no other law schools in Hawaii. There's Brigham Young University. That's where our big Mormon population came from. Mm -hmm. But they didn't have a law school there. So I can't remember if I told this story last week, but when I was, did did I tell the story of telling a kid not to go to law school when I was in Clements? Okay. Yeah. Oh, (coughs) you want to hear a funny story? Go ahead. So remember uh, Alberto Gonzalez? I, I do remember Alberto Gonzalez. Yes. Are you going to talk about his stupid Wall Street Journal story? No. Actually, I was going to say I didn't know what happened to him until I was listening to NPR when I was driving around here, and they were talking about this Tennessee. There's a there's a Tennessee law school that is mostly like a night student law mm-hmm. school that is non-ABA accredited, so you can only practice in Tennessee. You can only take the bar in Tennessee. And yeah. they had just kicked out their dean. Guess mm-hmm. who their dean was? Alberto Gonzalez. We had so, talked about this. I, I mean, your career has fallen so far mm-hmm. <laughs> that you, were, you got fired from your position as the dean at a school that isn't even ABA accredited. And you got fired because your students couldn't pass the bar. And you know what he taught? He taught national security law. And I was like, I would never take national security law from Alberto Gonzalez. Well, and the the attorney general that will go down in history of pissing all over states' rights and pissing all over privacy rights. Oh, geez. You know, 
I did get to take national security law with uh, Megan Barry. Okay. Is it Megan Barry? Uh, she was at UDM, and and then I didn't I didn't realize how lucky I was that we had that class because not many law schools have professors that you know are well versed enough in national mm-hmm. security law to actually teach it as a class. Um, it's not offered at most law schools. Mm-hmm. And uh, and uh, but it was at UDM when you know I was in second year and I took it and it was fascinating. I mean, if I was willing to move to Virginia and DC and schmooze and get to know a whole bunch of people, which I don't have time to do in my thirties anyway, um, I, I that's what I would be doing because because it was just possibly one of the most amazing. Um, areas of law I've ever I've ever um, looked at and uh, so it's funny to me because um, we had an ATF agent come mm-hmm. speak to the class who had been involved in the Waco mm. um, thing and it was basically a long litany of like trying to explain how really the ATF didn't screw it up the way that people think they did. I mean, there's a lot of blame to go around, but yeah. Yeah. So that was, uh, that was something, but, Oh, so I, I figured something out the other day. All right. Can Um, you open pickle jars now that your husband's gone? Holy shit. Ronda Rousey is amazing. Let me first say that. Oh yeah. You were watching it. Oh my God. God, I love that woman. She's amazing. She's not a very good actress. It, it was Expendables 3. I am well aware of that. Does she need to be a good actress? Well, there are some decent actors in there, like yeah. Kelsey Grammer's in there. Yes. Like but that Bruce was Willis not... is never going to win an Oscar, but he's a pretty good actor. Right, but that was not her role in that film. She didn't have a lot of lines. I mean, she was just there to, you know... Kick ass and not need a body double, you know, which yeah. she did excellent at, by the way. I loved it. Um, but I was, I also, so I was on this, you know, action movie kick thing. So I watched uh, Rogue Nation, Mission Impossible Rogue Nation. That, is that the, the fourth one? Mm, I think so. So I hate Tom Cruise. Like, I really hate, mm-hmm. I hate Tom Cruise. Like, he just. personally who he is as a person has like ruined um my it it disgusted me to such a point that i i just don't even like his movies anymore just don't learn about how crazy celebrities are jesus i can't i can't stand mel gibson yeah but in a different way okay like mel gibson is just an evil 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 person and the same is also true for tom cruise I mean, I hate to tell you, um, there's a lot of people that are awful people in this world. And Tom Cruise is just crazy. No, he's not. No, 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 no. Because Scientology would not be Scientology without Tom Cruise. And if you've seen Going Clear, if you haven't seen it, you should see it. Because this is, I mean, it's not a religion. It's a cult. And it's a very dangerous cult. There's, okay. How many 
How many bombings have been carried out by Scientologists? How many people have had their lives ruined by trying to leave the church? You know, I mean, that is the scale confined. only bombing, like that it's only a terrible religion if it inspires people to go bomb things? Well, I mean, the the Mennonites, the Jehovah's Witnesses, um, and the Mormons also engage in these kind of life-ruining, shaming tactics. Yeah, but the, the, they're also not a business, and Scientology is a business. That Scientology bothers me on that fundamental level because Jesus it, wants you to donate me one point eight million dollars. You're talking about evangelism, but that's that's not the, the the base of Christianity, and that's certainly not Jehovah's Witnesses or Mennonites. True. Or Mormons. Scientology is a business, mm-hmm. and it's businesses. Okay, I'm not going to quibble about that. These These are are the reasons I don't like Tom Cruise. All right. So we're starting from that point. Okay. These are the reasons you don't like Tom Cruise. I love Jeremy Renner. Okay. Love Jeremy Renner. So Jeremy Renner is in this movie. Do you remember what Jeremy Renner's first role was? Oh, my God. That movie Dahmer was amazing. Well, no, he was on Ed, Ed, and Eddie. Oh, I didn't know that. He played Plank. I've never seen Ed, Ed, and Eddie. <laughs> there was a kid who had an imaginary friend, friend that's a plank of wood. Jeremy Renner is the Kristen Stewart of men. No, he's a much better actor. Kristen Stewart's a terrible actor. If you but, if you but, think he's a bad actor, you should see Dahmer. And then, I have seen Dahmer. And then have that conversation with me again. That movie was he's, amazing. He brings a whole new degree of meaning to blank face American hero. Oh, okay. I don't want I have a point to why I'm telling this story, but you keep pulling me off of it. So there's what a I do. scene in Mission Impossible where Tom yes. Cruise is using a payphone in some mm-hmm. other country. He calls Jeremy Renner on mm-hmm. Jeremy Renner's cell phone. Jeremy Renner answers the call. Tom Cruise okay, here. says, "Go go encrypted." And then Jeremy, and then you see Jeremy Renner like touch something on his phone screen, and it says "call encrypted." And I screamed at the screen because, of course, I'd I'd, I'd mm-hmm. had a couple of glasses of wine at this point, mm-hmm. and I go, "None of this works like that." Right. Okay. And then immediately I was like, "This is why people do not understand the email thing with Hillary Clinton." This is exactly why they don't understand it. And this is exactly why they think she was just being lazy. They, the people see movies like that. Uh-huh. They do not understand how difficult uh-huh. it is. Uh, like what you need to use Cipernet, uh-huh. which is, you know, like our secured cable, um, you mm-hmm. know, informational thing. They don't understand that you need a building that is completely mm-hmm. shut off. That There's one near Lake Powell they just put in. It's amazing. Well, I think it's a big black spot on Google Maps now, too. Yeah, well, you need a skiff, you know, mm-hmm. to use Cipernet. And, you know, my husband worked in a skiff in Hawaii. And, mm-hmm. you know, your phones are out. There's no technology allowed in. Mm-hmm. And, like, mm-hmm. so people don't understand how unrealistic it is 
for mm-hmm. diplomats who are constantly flying all around the world to have access to these types of places and mm-hmm. still also be able to do their jobs because mm-hmm. we have movies like that, which somehow on magically on a cell phone connected to a payphone in another country, you can mm-hmm. encrypt a call that, that that's, it doesn't, that doesn't happen. But I, and so now I get why people are well, super mad but- at Hillary Clinton. Like why wasn't she more responsible mm-hmm. as if it was so easy to send that information Mm-hmm. You know, to know, first of all, to know everything that's supposed to be classified or not classified mm-hmm. and to um, to send that information via, you know, a more secure system, mm-hmm. because these people don't understand what a more secure system is. They think it's something easy that she could have just done, you know, and she just, you know, didn't feel like she needed to because she's entitled. That's not mm-hmm. accurate at all. Yeah. So but my my response to that is uh, the, the other side of this coin is, yes, it that is not how uh, actual communication security works. Um, we also don't send spies in with disguises like that and haven't in 70 years. No, you know, well, I'm not talking the about fake the fake noses and no, no, like I'm not that. talking about the other aspects of Mission Impossible because that's that's from a show, you know, from mm-hmm. a show that's very, very old. But mm-hmm. I'm just saying, people do seem to have this belief that it's really not that hard for our diplomats and our high-level, um, you know, security, like secretaries of state, and and that it's really not that hard for them to get their job done and respond to, you know, things in real time as they happen and mm-hmm. also do so in a completely secure way that ensures that our information can't be stolen. People mm-hmm. really genuinely think that when that is, it is so absolutely f-ing untrue. Sorry. Mm-hmm. There's the F-bomb. Um, number four for you. Mm, I figured they wouldn't count when I was talking about my harrowing death and your death experience. Okay. Okay. So I, 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 I have a pro, you know, so one of the problems that they found to, for the people who actually read the IG report, which I'm sure mm-hmm. most people did not. One of the problems that they've been having is that is in regards to our drone program, because, mm-hmm the State Department wasn't being informed of when the CIA was performing drone strikes. Mm -hmm. This put the State Department and diplomats in a very bad position because Mm -hmm. all of a sudden something is blowing up in Pakistan and Pakistan knows the CIA did it. Whose door are they knocking on? The diplomats. Mm -hmm. And the diplomats had no idea it was going to happen, had Mm -hmm. no contingency for how to deal with, you know, Uh, whether they were mad about it, had no, you know, intel on it, nothing. So halfway through um, Hillary Clinton's tenure, Mm -hmm. the State Department worked out with the CIA that the CIA was going to notify the State Department before a a drone strike Mm -hmm. and that, you know, this was going to be communicated to the diplomats 
that were in working in the countries where this was going to happen. And they were going to, you know, send back, you know, yes, go ahead. They were not going to have absolute authority over whether the CIA could do that, but they had input mm-hmm. in it. This mm-hmm. had to be done very artfully because it couldn't be done via secure communications just because of the places where these people were working out of mm-hmm. and that these things are very, you know, this is, it's not like you, you know, you get the email and you've got, you know, six hours to wait until you can get into a skiff on a military base to answer. Mm-hmm. I mean, this shit is like, boom, boom, boom. Like we need mm-hmm. the answer now. We don't have any way to securely do that mm-hmm. without having some of that information open to attack because it's, it's not along secured channels. Mm-hmm. So I don't understand what people expect. I mean, they expect this absolute security, but they also expect that these people are supposed to do their jobs and respond in real time and, you know, manage everything the way that they think it should be managed. And somebody uh, needs to be know, honest we, with we them. We do and hold help. the most powerful government in the world to too high a standard. We need to cut them some slack. Come on, Julia. It's the single most We're powerful We're going after military. the wrong target that's my point okay going after hillary clinton for working within the confines of what's Mm -hmm. made available to her is Mm -hmm. the wrong target the right target is why are we contracting such that we just got off vista last year Mm -hmm. we have this technology we can make Mm -hmm. this technology Mm -hmm. but they don't they won't pay for it if you read the Mm -hmm. ig report It was very, very clear. Their technology is 10 years behind what I have in my own house. Mm -hmm. But they're dealing with with classified information. So cut Mm -hmm. the government some slack. No, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is maybe people need to understand a little bit better how this works and focus on the right target, which is, hey, listen, maybe we need to fund this shit better so that Mm -hmm. we can we can actually develop this technology that makes this information more safe instead of demonizing somebody for three sections of three different emails with Mm -hmm. a little C on it. You know, and I think people were way too harsh, you know, for what was really just 20 seconds of deleted audio tape in the seventies. Oh, you're talking about Nixon. Very good. It, here's the thing. She is trying to become the president of the United States. She wants to become one of the most powerful people in this entire world. Yes. And a huge part of this year has been her and her spokespeople being very cagey with all of these emails. We have her on record trying to throw Colin Powell under the bus. No, 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 no. Wait a second. Yes. He says he doesn't remember the dinner, mm-hmm. but he also, there is an email that he did admit to that suggested that she use a private, a private and he email. he said unequivocally that all he would have informed her of is how he set up his private email. On and AOL! Not, and he did not conduct his private email server 
that he did not conduct any state business with. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Because the IG report, again, found later classified information in his AOL archives. She said, he said to her, for non-classified information, you should use a private system. Mm-hmm. Now, she, uh, he used AOL. I would argue that her server in her house was probably more secure than AOL. Well, we're also talking a major difference. She did not time. throw him under the bus. That is exactly what he she, said to her. And you're no, talking she, about the difference in technology her, between she and 2002 her and 2008. Powell did the exact same thing that she did. Although he even admitted true. that he said that to her at the dinner. He's saying he doesn't recall, but there's also an email that he sent, and he's admitted to the email, but he said the email was sent after she became Secretary of State and had already set up the server. Mm-hmm. But Madeleine Albright has said that absolutely he was at that dinner, and absolutely he told her that. So other people who were there, and he's not denying it, he's saying he doesn't recall. And I am not, that's not throwing him under the bus. If anything, he's throwing her under the bus. Hmm. He, it, it's a very poor enemy to make in someone who endorsed her predecessor. The he's fact still he going to endorse her. I doubt it. I, I would be shocked now with all of this email crap. And how he's gotten dragged into it. She's not the one who dragged him into it. You, when she no, says no, no, Colin you Powell have to told me to okay. do this. Yes, she said it to the FBI in an FBI interview that should never have been made public. That is unprecedented. She had no, there, there was no, explain to me when this has ever happened before, where the FBI has released notes from an interview when they never, they never even chose to indict the person or suggest charges, that they released notes from the interview, what possible idea would she, how could I, she have I want possibly... you to tell me the last time a presidential candidate and party nominee has been under investigation for potential criminal violations during an election year. Okay. Because this is politically motivated. This is politically motivated. But I will say that it's not like she went on. She could have, from the beginning, said Colin Powell said that to me. She didn't. She didn't. That only came out because the FBI asked her that question. Why would she even consider doing it the way she did? And she answered it honestly. What was she supposed to do? Lie? She had every reason to expect that that would never be released publicly. She is not the one who dragged him into this. She is. No, she's not. How is she? They asked her the question, and she answered it honestly in an interview where she was under oath to answer it honestly. Mm Mm-hmm. So how is she dragging him into this? Look, she could have I... been using that as a defense from the beginning. Mm-hmm. And she didn't. So what does that tell you? I don't know. Oh, come on. It... You, you know that I'm right here. You what? know that what? I'm right here. 
I mean, yes, they're using it now. You're, and they're talking be about uncharted territory. They're we not the ones who both. put it out there. They are not the ones who put it out there. Gowdy requesting the notes from the FBI interview, which he was, of course, going to leak little bits and pieces as bad as they would make Hillary look. So the FBI released the whole thing as mm-hmm. she asked them to. That's how that came out. Now, that is not something she would have expected to have happened when mm-hmm. she answered that question. If she really wanted to hang it on Colin Powell's head, she would have started doing that back in May 2015. Yeah, it, my, my so I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not taking that accusation that she's trying to hang it on Colin Powell. Speaking of partisanship, uh, uh, you know, being under an FBI investigation, regardless of if they chose to uh, issue a recommendation for indictment, kind of pales in comparison to being audited by the IRS in my mind, too. That's the unprecedented thing. We got one guy who is being audited by the IRS. Uh, by the way, that was one of the first things that we kind of got the whiff of how corrupt Richard Nixon was, was his taxes. And another has spent the better part of this election cycle dodging questions about a criminal investigation into her time as Secretary of State. Yeah, but that never should have happened in the first place. The idea, and see, and, and my mom and I have had this conversation. She's like, I'm really bothered by the email thing. She should have, the FBI should not have investigated for potential mishandling of classified material. If they're going to investigate her, then they need to investigate all of them because I get, Gowdy leaked classified information in a press release during his investigation into Clinton. Mm-hmm. Are the, are the, is the FBI investigating him? I think, I think they've happened. closed the investigation. No, they never investigated Gowdy. You're right. missing my point. This shit happens every single day. Out of all of those emails, three, three contained paragraphs that were classified. That's mm-hmm. it. I challenge you to go find the .gov addresses of almost every diplomat mm-hmm. in our State Department, high-level staffer in the White House, mm-hmm under any administration in the last, you know, Bush and, and Obama, you're mm-hmm. going to find the same thing in every single one of them. So, no, it's bullshit because it's politically motivated to create a scandal where there is no scandal because they all know that that shit happens. They all mm-hmm. know that that shit happens every day. Every day. Is Should it, it happen every day? No, but that's not you you can't hang that on the people that are making these mistakes because people do make mistakes. What you need to do is fully fund the government enough so that they can come up with a better way to be doing this, doing their work. Or or what? Close some of the redundant offices. Well, Secretary of State is not redundant. I wouldn't. I know the Secretary of State is not redundant. We need diplomats. I acknowledge that. You either give them the technical technological mm-hmm. tools to do their job correctly, or you don't bring down a hammer mm-hmm. on somebody over what 
could easily be found in almost every single other person's account. And, and it really boggles my mind that we're talking about how serious these allegations are against Hillary. When well, Trey, the investigation's wait, when over. When Trey Gowdy himself. Trey Gowdy's not running for president. That's not. Oh, come on. Come on. You want to talk about government accountability. Government accountability needs to be even. Or it's well, not. It, it, it's not. It's, it's not it's designed bullshit. to be even. It's designed to be political. It's not designed to be even. The dude investigating her for 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 mishandling classified information, mishandled classified information in the middle of the investigation of mishandled classified information. But nobody said a word about that. I'm curious. Is does Trey Gowdy have some sort of immunity from prosecution while in office for this? No, but nobody's going to investigate him because this shit happens all the time. Yes, politically motivated nonsense happens all the time. Right, that's why I'm saying it's not serious. It's a game. Mm-hmm. Yes. You are saying it like, it, you know, it's, it's the very serious criminal allegation against Clinton. No, it's not. No, well, it's, it's not. I would consider being investigated by the FBI serious. Um, it's serious, but you also have to look at why the FBI is invested. It did investigate her. They investigated her because Congress directed them to. Mm-hmm. Congress directed them to because they want her head on a platter and they want to indict her for something. They don't care what. Mm-hmm. So my point being is the allegation serious. No. It's not. It's smokescreen bullshit. Okay. You, you, you know, this is just, this is the way American politics works. And There's I love reasons it. not to like Hillary Clinton. That is not there one are. of them. You're right. There's reasons not to like Donald Benghazi Trump. I don't, I don't think being creative with his taxes is one of the reasons. Benghazi is not one of them either. Right. What is she supposed to do? direct CIA contractors to go defend the Benghazi compound? She has no authority to do so. Absolutely correct. Does she even have the authority to deploy troops to go in to protect the Benghazi compound? She does not. No, she does not. She is in the depart she was in the Department of State, not the Department of Defense. And, yes. And there were, I understand and that. there were emails where she where she said, "Do you want out?" And he mm-hmm. said, no, I do not. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sick of these fabricated controversies. And it's, it really does seem like with her, it, there's always a fabricated controversy. Her lack of trustworthiness is the result of many, many years of fabricated mm-hmm. controversies. It's ridiculous. Well, the the Benghazi thing is important because uh one, uh you know, a similar incident cost Jimmy Carter his presidency, let's be honest there. Um he was an immensely popular president till people viewed him as being weak in the Tehran hostage crisis. 
So attacks on embassies are very important events. Uh, they were politically not when and for Bush the was in office. What do you mean? Um, people died in embassies when Bush yeah. was in office, and nobody really said too much about that at all. Well, we were in a war as well. We were in a war when Benghazi happened, too. Were we? Yeah, we've been in a war for a while. You absolutely know that's true. That's true. Even without an active Congress. That's the topic for another day. Well, okay, you know what? And that's another thing that irritates me, which Mm -hmm. I will also very clearly say. That I, I, I'm really sick of, see, we need a more educated populace. And I'm sick of the fact that people just don't take the time to become educated and they read headlines. And mm-hmm. that's about it. Mm-hmm. Um, here's my... I think an educated populace starts with a third estate that is interested in educating. Um, like oh, the... it's out there. Where do you think I'm learning this information from? Like, for instance, President Obama, four years ago, asked for a new authorization for the use of military force. He's uh-huh. been, no, more than four years ago. He's been asking for one for a while. He drafted uh-huh. one, and then get this. The Republicans in Congress thought it was too limited. But then they stand on their soapbox and post in Breitbart that he's, you know, running a war with no authorization and, and Mm -hmm. he won't, you know, give us, and he's, you know, a tyrant and this and this and that. Well, he gave you a draft authorization Mm -hmm. that was limited in scope because that was the problem with the first AUMF. It was way too broad so he tried think, to limit the presidential power with a new I, AUMF, and they wouldn't pass it. He's been asking for that. They're sitting here blaming him for running a war mm-hmm. with no authorization, but they neglect to tell the public that they are the ones that need to write the authorization. And then they blame him for pulling out troops. So... You don't give him the authorization to actually have troops there. Pulls troops out. Then you're angry Mm -hmm. at him because he pulled troops out. They want him to conduct a war. They just don't want to give him an AUMF. Mm -hmm. None of that makes any damn sense. I agree. And you, you go from he's a tyrant and loose with military force in his first four years to by brokering a peaceful solution in Syria is weak. No, I absolutely... And I think people are... They got mad about the red line. No, they're not. They got mad about the red line in Syria. He said there was a red line in Syria. Okay? The Mm -hmm. red line got crossed. He went to Congress, said we need to act. Congress said no. Mm -hmm. And then now they say... He's a wimp because he set this red line and then he didn't back it up. But he's also a tyrant who does whatever he wants and ignores Congress. Mm-hmm. Well, no, that none of that makes sense in the real world when it's all put together. Mm-hmm. And it, it's just, I don't know, it's just, it's just really frustrating to me 
he's he's had to just you know walk this ridiculous tightrope um with zero assistance and that and that's you know i understand that he is abrasive towards congress and congress is abrasive towards him but more of the onus i think is on congress in this situation than is on obama because it is not that he has not asked for it it is not that he has not even drafted and sent them an AUMF. It is mm-hmm. not that he has not gone to Congress to ask for approval to go do things. He mm-hmm. has. And well, they and ignore him. The, the other thing is that regardless of the screaming from the Warhawks, the American population in general is pretty battle fatigued at this point. Yeah, see, this is the argument I get into with Bernie supporters. Hmm. We are not going to hug it out with ISIS. They just need to get over it. Well, and I we can argue. Agree with it. We can argue all day long about how it happened, how mm-hmm. ISIS was formed, yada yada. And my favorite thing is it's because Obama pulled out of Iraq. Except Obama pulled out of Iraq because there was a agreement. Mm-hmm. Our uh, status of forces agreement expired. And that was signed by Bush. Mm-hmm. We need to. Well, the thing is, eventually we have to pull out. Um, uh, no, we need to go in and then pull out. We need to go in and do the job and then pull out. That this half-ass shit is not working. But I'm not. I'm not a fan of the no-fly zone. Are we going to? Are we going to make it a hundred years goddamn war in Iraq? Iraq you know needs bank, to be split you know what into three Rome? countries. You know what ruined Rome? Constant military incursions into foreign states. Okay, but you're misunderstanding. Maybe you're not misunderstanding. But you have to understand why I feel the way that I do, especially since I'm a military spouse. So obviously I really don't want my husband to deploy to Syria or Yemen or Iraq or Afghanistan. I don't want him in any of those damn places. But... The same argument we've had before. The refugee crisis is as bad, if not worse, than the the Jewish refugee crisis in World War II. Okay? I think that's a stretch, but go on. The numbers are getting there. They really are. So... This influx of refugees into European countries and into mm-hmm. our country, very few in our country, mm-hmm. but into Canada, yada, 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 is creating anti-Islamic sentiment. Mm-hmm. It is um, fueling the rise of far right-wing politicians that are actually winning in European countries. I I think that the influx of refugees, if it continues to the extent that it is now, I mean, millions of people are fleeing. Um, It's going to destabilize Europe. And if Europe gets destabilized, we are all screwed. We're screwed. So I don't think we have any good options at the moment. The only problem 
right now that I find that seriously complicates things is Russia's involvement in Syria. Because that is somebody we really don't want to start a war with. And we, we definitely have the potential of starting a war with Russia. If, if Hillary Clinton gets a no-fly zone, oh, shit. And I'm back. What the hell happened? My dog was having a little freak out upstairs. The mic probably didn't pick it up. I record in my basement. You know, my house is three stories. But... I know, but you didn't say anything. You're just dead. I thought it would be quick, and she decided to pull a greased pig on me. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that. But um yeah. So where did you where, where I did said you... I part ways with Hillary Clinton on the no fly zone because I think that mm-hmm. risks the war with Russia. But I absolutely think that we need to find some way to stabilize mm-hmm. Syria. And I do think that means the removal of Assad. And I absolutely think that I, I think the Iraqi army is doing a pretty damn good job of getting ISIS out of Iraq. Right now they're doing fairly well. Well, and my problem with the whole thing is, and we we revisit this topic time and time again, is the simple fact that we've tried nation building, we've tried bringing democracy to the Middle East, we've tried fighting proxy wars, we've tried colonialism, we've tried empires. I We're not nation-building in Iraq right now. I mean, we have support there, we have logistics support there, deployed there. But they are not the ones who are taking back Mosul. Mm -hmm. Iraqis are taking back Mosul. And the people we left in power in Afghanistan seem just as corrupt as the people that were there when we first started the war. Wow, yeah. I mean, and we can't do anything about that. But we we don't have that many people in Afghanistan anymore. Yeah. We're just droning people. That's pretty much what we're doing. And... Installing people. How many troops do we have deployed in Afghanistan right now, honey? Isn't it under 5,000, right? 5,000 or so, 4,500, 4, something like that. And they're, like they're that. logistical support, right? They're not active combat. Yeah. So. We are getting out of it, but Syria is Syria is not something that is going to go away overnight. And, and I, Syria we and have I to do something about. I don't know if it's something that we are going to improve by going in. You and that I is, disagree on that. It, that is do something for the sake of doing something. Arm the rebels. We did arm the rebels and they started killing racial minorities and children. Well, they're doing that anyway. Why do they have to do it with our guns? That puts the blood on our hands. No, it doesn't. I don't think it does. It, this is a story that is written out a thousand times. This You're going to exhaust me right now. We'll talk about it another time because at our hour and a half. Yeah, I know, and I need to start making dinner because I'm getting hungry. But I'm hangry. I'm so hungry. I can tell you're hangry, but I want you to have a lovely Labor Day. Give your husband a kiss for me. Oh, I will. I'm sure he'll love it. Grab his butt. Oh, yeah. And I will talk to you next week. Okay. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye.